Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Well, praise God, it's an honour and a privilege to be given this opportunity to uh, preach tonight and to encourage you in relation to what God's Word says about you. Uh, just let's pray. I thank you, Father, for the ability to do this, Lord. You know, I can't do this on my own ability. I need you, Lord. I need you working with me, Father God, to do it. I need your Holy Spirit speaking to me, Lord, speaking through my lips like the pen of a ready writer, Lord. So I thank you, Father God, for the ability to manifest what you've given me, Father God, for your people, to then be encouraged and edified and built up, Lord, and come out of this place expecting breakthrough in their lives in every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. I I spent a bit of time this week uh, searching for a word of God, a word in season. I spent time in the mountains uh, and I climbed a mountain and God spoke to me the whole way up that mountain about things to say and I got up the mountain quicker and I've got up it many times before because I didn't realise how fast the area was getting because I was just speaking into my, 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 cordless, or my telephone the things that God was saying to me. It was a tremendous time. You know, it's wonderful to be back in church. It's important to be back in church. It's an honour to be back in among you. It's wonderful to see you all and I'm just so encouraged to be here tonight Thank God the church is open again. It's wonderful. You know, the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you know, there's a benefit to, 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 to be diligent. But being diligent altogether is not the whole and be all. There's a benefit in that, but there's more. You know, I was just reading a story the other day in John 5. I'll just paraphrase here. I'm not going to read it out of the Bible about the, the man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, that was a good man. He was diligent. He was turning up there every year for 38 years. Like, I mean, 38 years he turned up at the pool of Bethesda. He was paralyzed. He rolled his bed out, and he lay beside the pool of Bethesda. And the legend went that when the angel come down and troubled the water in the pool of Bethesda, the first person into it got healed. So Jesus comes along the road, and he says to that man, he says, "Wilt thou be healed? And he said, well, I'm paraphrasing here. He says to Jesus, here's the thing. He says, I can't move. And he says, whenever the angel comes down and troubles that water, I I shout over to Joseph and I say, get me into the water. And you see that blind man there? He's in like a bullet. He says, too late for me. He, he, He was turning up there every year, year after year, day after day, for 38 years, expecting nothing really. Because whenever the opportunity came along, he wasn't in faith to get into the pool. He didn't expect to get healed in the pool. He was turning up there sort of just out of religion. That's all he was doing. But through the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was healed. And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And so he did. So praise God for the mercy of God. But I, I was just thinking, you know, it's not just good enough to be diligent and turn up to church. You need to turn up to church and hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to you. Because every time we turn up here, God has a word and season for us. I come here expecting to hear from God. Take ears to hear and expect to hear what God has for you. I remember working uh, about... 10 years ago in a church that I went to for 20 years. And a a man who was a lovely fella passed me, walked past me as I was working in this church. And he started pouring his heart out to me for no particular reason at all about all the things that was going wrong in his life. He says, I'm having problems in my personal marriage life. I'm having problems with my finances. I'm having problems here, my physical body. I'm having problems with diabetes. I'm having this problem, and I'm having the other one. And I says to him, Jimmy Joe, would I tell you something? Let's me and you 
call ourselves into remembrance of what the word says. And you know what he said? He says, I don't know what it says. He was going to church, for, and as much as I was, for years and years and years, and I mean, we went to a good church. We heard the word of God. We knew who we were in Christ Jesus, and he had not one clue after all them years of who he was in Christ Jesus. I mean, he could have sat in a church meeting and walked out to the door, and you'd have said, Jimmy Joe, what was that about? He couldn't have told you. You know, we need to know what we are come. We need to know what God sent us in church. We need to... Uh, have our ears open and expect to hear from God. You know, just because this world and this world's outlook and the future for this world doesn't look great, you know, we need, to, we, we need to not let the world steal our dreams and our visions and our aspirations. You know, we all know there's a pandemic out there and we all know that the, the, the world's saying that this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and the other's going to happen. But how many of you know the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, I have plans for you. You know God has plans for you individually. God has plans for us. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. We need to not drop or let go of the visions and the, and the dreams and the aspirations uh, God has for us. Your job is to press into the things of God, to the God-given dreams that he has given you. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what, what you see around you. We go on what the word. Get around people of faith. Get around your faith family. And in this faith family, never talk anybody out of their faith. I don't care what anybody says what they're going to do. God could have put something in their heart, a big aspiration and a big dream, and it sounds ludicrous to you, and you talk them out of it. You talk them out of the thing that God has put them in you. Never talk anybody out of what God has put in their heart, no matter how foolish it seems. Here's the thing. If you can keep the devil in the realm of faith, you win every time. But if he can get you into the realm of reason, you're stuffed. Because he'll win in that realm. But you'll win in the realm of faith. Get around people of God. You know, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So it's good to be in the house of God. And it's good to be around people that sharpen each other. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 23 and verse 7 in the New King James Version, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It doesn't matter what the bank manager says. It doesn't matter what the state agent says. It doesn't matter what the careers officer says. As you think in your heart, that's what you can be. And don't let people talk you out of it. You know, I started off coming to church, sitting in under the word, and God transformed my life, and I started to do exploits that people didn't expect me to do. In fact, I was doing that while people thought I was into drugs or something, because God was transforming my life and turning the thing around. I was sitting in under the word, and I wasn't just hearing it, I was doing it, and I was stepping out. I don't mean it was smooth. Some of the, rough, the roads were rough, but we had to carry on and keep pressing on. But here's the thing. As you think in your heart, that's what you're going to be. It doesn't matter how the world thinks you're going to achieve it. Because it doesn't matter. If I had asked anybody who knew me before I got sitting in under the word, can I do this? They would have said, no, you cannot. But the word of God says you can. There was a story that I heard years ago about a man in uh, Australia. And this is a true story. And his name was called Cliff Young. And here's what happened to Cliff Young. There was this really long run, road race, that took five days to, to complete, if you were good. And it was 514 miles, 875 kilometers. And all these people turned up, you know, with, with their trainers and all their special running shoes and their vests and their shorts 
and the right appetite and the people, the dietitian and all these people to run this race. And here this by Cliff, Cliff Young turned up. 61 years old he was when he turned up. He hadn't got his false teeth and he took his false teeth out. And he turned up in a pair of overalls and a pair of Wellington boots to run this race. And I said to this by Cliff Young, says, are you right in the head? You've turned up to run this race and you've got a pair of overalls on you and a pair of Wellington boots. He says, I, he says, I ain't going to win the race. And they laughed him to scorn. And then the, the, the fire had gone and off they went in this race. Now the record holder for this race was something like five or six days to complete this race in Australia, around the coast of Australia, 875 kilometres. Of course, all the boys with the, with the Nike trainers and the, and the shorts and the vests, they went off like a bullet. And he came walloping after them in the pair of overalls and the pair of Wellington boots. But here's the thing. It got there about 12 o'clock that night and all them boys went to bed. Cliff Young kept on running. I mean, he kept on running day after day after day. And these boys stopped. He won the race by 10 hours. By 10 hours. He beat the old record by two days. And I says to him, Cliff, how did you do it? He says, well, if it is up in the mountains, he says, oftentimes I had to run after the sheep. And he says, I'd have been running after the sheep maybe for two or three days, trying to get them down off the mountains. He says, here's what I done. He says, I was running this race, and I imagined there was a storm coming in the mountain, and I had to get my sheep off the mountain. And he says, I imagined that the whole way through that race, and he won the race and won it by 10 hours. And see, at the end of the race, they, they, they went to give him prize money at £10,000. He says, I didn't even know there was any money for winning this race. He says, give the £10,000 to the other people who completed the race, and he divided it among them. That's a true story. You go into the, the Wikipedia or whatever, you'll, you'll get that there. Here's the thing. It didn't matter what the world thought. It didn't matter what they seen of Cliff, Cliff Young. It mattered how he seen himself. He said he was going to win the race. He was confident to win the race. He took his false teeth out because he said they rattled when he rung. At 61 years of age. It's amazing. Here's the thing. Pastor Rand was saying, believe, believe. And Psalm 27 verse 3 is this. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of heaven. No. Not in the land of heaven. In the land of the living. But here's the thing. You have to believe for it. You need to be believing to see the goodness of God in the land of living. It's not good enough to ho just hope alone. You need to put your faith out and believe God, to believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You're in this world, and they may say, ah, you know what? You can't really believe for very much at the minute, like there's a pandemic on after all. I'm not disputing there's a pandemic on. But here's the thing. The Bible says, yeah, in Psalm 23, verse 4, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, that doesn't say, yeah, though I camp in the valley of shadow and death. It says I walk through the valley of shadow of death. It's not a camping ground. It's not a place to live. You know, I get around people sometimes, and they're people of God, and I'll ask them how they're doing. They say they're in the valley, you know, they're in the valley, and they sing songs about the valley, and the valley this, and the valley the other. Get out of the valley and get on the mountaintop. You know, there's a lot of Christians and they're eagles and they should be soaring up there away hundreds of feet up in the air and they're running around with the barnyard chickens packing on the ground. Get off the ground and get onto the mountaintop. Believe God to get out of it. You know, years ago I listened to a message by a mighty man of God from the States and maybe Jesse Duplantis, Joyce Avell or somebody got there and they were talking about the wilderness experience in the land of Baca 
And it says, you need to see the land of Baca. Welcome to the land of Baca and walk two yards and say, safe home. You don't need to camp there. You don't need to stay in the land of Baca. You need to get out of it. I'm not disputing that you have challenges in your life, but you don't live, need to live a completely challenged life. We're people of breakthrough. We're people, we're winners. God has provided the victory for us in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you tonight, don't give up on your God-given dreams. Don't let go of the things God has given you. I'm not disputing. There are some people who are working in things that are, that are difficult in the middle. Like I've seen Christian there and John started, John Holloway started a business up in the middle of the pandemic and accelerating, going well. There's John. He's, he employed his son. Dreams are coming through. Aspirations are coming through. It's marvelous breakthrough. I'm not disputing. There's people there that's had difficulties. You know, if you're working in retail or you're working in a, in a travel agency or you're working in airplanes or something, you know, it's, going, it's maybe been sticky, but you need to get your hopes up. You need to start seeing what has happened to you, causing you to accelerate forward, not pull you back, not to camp in the land of, in the valley, but to get out of the valley. You know, Donna Drury gave an awesome uh, description one time of how to, about being in a, in a difficult place. She talked about a wee car that we had a play with when we were children. You know, these wee cars, you pushed them forward in the car, but they didn't go anywhere. But when you pulled them back and let them go, they shot across the room. So you need to see yourself being pulled back and shot across the room. You need to see this situation that has affected your business, affected your, your, your social life and every, your church life and everything else, be an acceleration. We need to expect to see this church full because of this pandemic. That's what we need to expect. And I'm telling you, it's going to fill and it is filling. That's what we believe. We see it and we believe it. You know, the other thing about one of them weak yards is this here. You can pull it back like that there. But if you lift it off the ground, the wheels just spin off. You need to keep yourself rooted and grounded and established in the Word of God. Now, the Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 7, this is the amplified version, have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in faith. We need to be established in faith, established in the word of God. Know what the word of God says. It's not good enough to go to church and come out of church and not know what the word of God says about every situation and circumstance in your life. You have circumstances coming against you. You need to establish yourself in what the word says, whether that's health, whether that's mental problems, whether that's you're believing God for a spouse. You know, I believe God for a spouse and got one the first year I got saved and was married in the first year I got saved. No, all things are possible, even for me. Praise God. <laughs> but you need to be established in the word of God. You know, as I climb up the mountain sometimes, a lot of the paths I go are old granite paths that were taken up the mountains for people to go up and work and, and quarry granite and to come down the mountains. Well, recently in the last couple of years, they're doing some movies up in the mountains and they fixed some of these paths because they've been corroded away over the years by the rain coming down the mountains and washed these uh, uh, paths away. So they put all these new, they put big, I suppose Caterpillar or Jesse B. Diggers up there and brought a lot of stones up there and stayed in all these paths. Made a lovely job. And it was sort of good under your feet coming down the mountain. They, they weren't just higgledy-piggledy, you know, nice and level and all. But here's the thing. The first shower of rain come and washed the whole thing down the side of the mountain. It's a complete waste of time. You know what I mean? You can't go into, into the mountains of Morn and get two contracts to start and lay a lovely tarmac uh, street right through the whole mountains. It'll, 
it'll look well for five minutes, but the first time you get a bit of rain, it'll wash over the side of the mountain. You need to have it established, and there are roads in the mountain, but they've got good foundations. They're built on sound grounding, and they're well-drained, and they stand the test of time. But you can't stand the test of time unless you're established in this word. You need to establish yourself. You need to put this word of God in your spirit. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 talks about being a doer of the word, but it also talks about building your house. And you don't need to build your house on shaky foundations. You don't need to build your house in sand. You need to build your house in a rock. You need to build your life on this word of God. The storms of life, and they're coming, they come to us all. But we don't dispute the storms come, but we deny them the right to destroy our lives. We stand on the word of God, and when them storms come, we are stuck on the rock. We're not like the new tarmac road going through the Morning Mountains, the first shower rain is down the road like a river. We are established in this word. We continue to put this word in. It transforms and changes our life. You know, about two months ago, there were less. President Trump had a garden party. And in this garden party, he was bringing in some uh, judge or some supreme judge. And what happened was he caught the coronavirus. Not only did he catch the coronavirus, his wife caught the coronavirus, the child caught the coronavirus, and half the political Republican Party or whoever was at that whole thing caught the coronavirus. Then the next thing I look walks into the house, he says, I caught the coronavirus. And the devil says to me, he's caught the coronavirus. He says, your whole house is going to come down this coronavirus. That's what's going to happen to you. So I knew I took a vaccination here in this church back in March or April or whatever it was, or February, and this whole thing came out. And I went back up and I stood in that word, and I took authority over that coronavirus. Then I was working with Luke, I was with him every day, Paul was with him every day, we didn't have, I'm not denying about, you need to wear a mask or do whatever the government's telling you to do, but here's the thing, I didn't wear anything, and none of us took the coronavirus. I didn't take it, Kristen didn't take it, Zoe didn't take it, we, Paula didn't take it, and I want to glorify God for that there. But here's the thing, and I took a third over Luke. Now he had symptoms of it, he had fluish symptoms, he lost his taste and smell for a lack of days. But praise God he came out of it. We spent two, day, two weeks working in cures. And I rebuilt the bicycle. We had a good time. So don't worry about the coronavirus. Take authority over it. This world is preparing for a massive slump. They're calling it, a, you know, this is going to be as bad as it was in the 1930s. The good thing about Trump, I'll have to say about him, he says, oh, we're going to have a tremendous bounce back. Now, I don't know if he's going to come into power or what's going on in the United States of America. It doesn't affect us ultimately because we're rooted and established on the word of God. But here's the thing. We need to have a bounce back ability spurt in the inside of us. We need to see ourselves bouncing back. You know, I used to watch football. I didn't watch it because back in the 70s, in the early 80s, uh, there was a thing called the, the European Cup, which was the Champions League, which is not the same load of rubbish that you watch now. It was the champions played football with each other. It wasn't the fourth, fifth, sixth, and whatever. It was the champions. And at that time, the champions... I, I used to uh, watch the, the English football at that time, and the only team was ever champions in the 70s years was Liverpool. I used to think nobody else, whenever you're that young, nobody else could be champions. Liverpool were the champions. And they used to play in the Champions League. And I used to listen to it on the radio. But here's the thing about Liverpool in them days, certainly. And probably a wee bit now too. But in them days, they didn't know when they were beat. Like, I mean, if they weren't one, I'd have been listening to the radio back in the late 70s and early 80s. Because there was no television to watch it. You had to listen to the radio. And Liverpool would have been playing some European team, Real Madrid or whatever. 
and you'd listen to the radio, they'd get and beat 1-0, but you knew they were going to come back. And there was this footballer that played for them, and he was hopeless he had put him on from the start, but if he brought him on for the last 10 minutes, he was a superstar. And they called him Super School, but the same was David Fairclough. And they kept bringing him on. And every time David Fairclough and Monty scored a goal, Liverpool got back into the match. And they were never, they were, you, they were always getting goals in the last minute. They were never beat. They were, the match was never over for Liverpool in them days. They were a team that knew how to bounce back. You know, there's some teams and some players that if they got 1-0 down, they may as well get beat six because they dropped their heads. We don't need to be an M that drop our heads. We need to get our head up and our chin up and our shoulders back and press on forward and have bounce back ability. Your outlook will determine your outcome. You know, in the Bible, there was loads of people who went through difficult scenarios and they come through in flying colors because they bounced back like Isaac sold in a land of famine and in the same year, he received a hundredfold return. Joseph was betrayed by his own family and was thrown into slavery, but he had a tremendous bounce back. He became the savior for his own family, he was the ruler of the whole of, the, of Egypt. Moses, he had a great comeback. He was floated down the river in a basket. You know, how amazing was that? And he became a ruler and delivered the children of Israel from Egypt. You know, the children of Israel come to the Red Sea. It looked all over, but it wasn't all over. The people who attacked them, it was all over for them. It looked all over for the children of Israel. You need to have bounce back ability. Daniel in the lion's den, he was bucked into the lion's den. That was the end for Daniel. supposed to be eating the lions. The angels closed the lion's mouth, and the people who threw him into the lion's den, they finished up getting eaten by the lions. So here's the thing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. The people who threw them in, when they threw them in, they got born to life, trying to throw them into the fiery the furnace. But there wasn't even the smell of smoke in them. The Lord was with them in the fiery furnace, and there wasn't even the smell of smoke in them. What a bounce back. Praise God. Jesus, what a bounce back. They had him crucified. They thought it was all over. The devil thought he had won. But little did he know, Jesus went into hell, took the keys of hell and death, raised the third day, bought our salvation, our victory from mental pressure, our victory from death, and our victory from, 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 from all the attacks of the devil. He came up victorious, victoriously and gave us that victory. The apostle Paul, he was shipwrecked. The apostle Paul was beaten. The apostle Paul was uh, imprisoned. He was stoned to death. There were so many things that happened to apostle Paul. I believe Paul just kept bouncing back. He was a person who never knew when he was down. He never accepted being down. He kept bouncing back. There may have been a tough time. It may have been a tough time for you. But I believe you're about to see the goodness of God in the land of the living if you don't fear God's going to surprise you. And surprise you what you can do. But you know what you need to do? You need to keep running. You need to keep pressing on. You know, sometimes when you're running and you're pressing on, you can get tired. You know, it's a very famous thing whenever athletes are running, and in, 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 in particularly in the marathon, there's a place in that marathon they talk about around 20 miles or something where they hit the wall, where it feels like they can't go on and they can't press on anymore, but they keep going and all of a sudden they break through the wall and it's like they're at the start of the race again because they've got their mojo back. They've got their ability to run back. You know, whenever uh, 
I was working years ago, <laughs> that's a funny story, I was working years ago in Holbeach in England in a wee man's house. I was putting a pane of glass in his house and he had one leg, but he fought in the Second World War, so he did. And I, I was happening to watch the Olympic Games at this time. This is just a funny story. I happened to watch the Olympic Games at this time and uh, I says to him, that's powerful the way them people can run, you know, 26 miles in, in, the, in the marathon. He says, I'm marathon. He says, I know nothing about running. He says, I fought in the Second World War. He says, we pushed the Italians away up into the north of Africa and we were winning the war. The next thing, the Germans brought Rommel in. And he says, he chased us. And he says, I run for my life. He says, I run for about six days. He says, and I didn't stop running because I stopped running, I was dead. And he says, every corner I went around, there wasn't somebody hiding a glass of water out for me. He says, I had to keep on going. It was either run or die. It's wonderful what you can do when you have to do it, he says. <laughs> it's wonderful, you know, when the, when the rubber hits the road, what you can do. Whenever you have to do it, you know you have no choice no matter, you know. He was down a tunnel and he had to keep on going. It was a life and death situation. But here's the thing. Whenever an airplane, the first man to break the sound barrier, there was a whole lot of people tried to break that sound barrier. And just as they were coming to break it, the, the plane seemed like it was going to break to bits. And they quit, and they caved in, and they quit because they thought the plane was going to fall apart. But see, the first man that broke through it, once he got through it, it just was... There was nothing as smooth once that sound boy was broken. We need to run a race with patience, looking on to Jesus, the author, and then finish of our faith. They say we run the race. It's important how you start a race. It's important how you finish a race. It's important in the middle of the race. But here's the good thing. You need to finish your race. The Bible says that Paul ran his race and finished his course that was set before him. We need to finish our course. We, need to, we don't need to cave in because there's a bit of... Difficulty in the world. We're in this world. We're not of it. We need to press in and continue to get what God has for us. Don't give up. Keep going. That's what I want to say. We never had a wee fella in, in, in the early 70s, about Summer Rose's age. That's only maybe even the late 60s. You know, there was these wee toys come out, and there were wee egg shaped creatures. And there were wee boys and wee girls and a man and a woman and they used to play in wee swings and all. And they used to go down wee slides and all. And they were egg-shaped with a weight in the back of them. And every time you pulled them, pushed them over, they came back up again. And they used to be wee saying, Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You know, we need to, we need to in a sense, we weave it like that. I don't care if you take a wobble. I don't care if you feel like if you fall down. No, the Bible says a righteous man falls down seven times, but gets up. If you fall down seven times, get up eight. Get up again. Praise God. You know, there's people on this earth that I've seen in my lifetime. How am I doing here? In my lifetime. And uh, they inspired me. And I believe God used these people, not because they were great Christian people, but because they were great people at not refusing to give up. And one of the people who I greatly admire, and if things are tough, sometimes I go and read a wee bit about him. It's called Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, as a wee boy, grew up in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, at, six, at six years of age or seven years of age, they sent him to boarding school. And the records in boarding school said he was disruptive and very poor academically. He hadn't got much gumption. That's essentially what they were saying. And then at the age of 15, Winston Churchill decided that he was going to be a soldier and join the army. So... He applied to Royal Sandhurst to get into Sandhurst. And as he went to, to go through the, 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 what you had to do as a sense to, to, to be good enough to get into Sandhurst, he failed. So he came back after he learned Hawaii failed and tried again and failed again. And he came back the third time and eventually 
become in, in the Sandhurst. He become a, a, a soldier by training and keeping and being persistent. He was a persistent man. At 20 odd years of age, very young man, 21 or so, he decided he'd go into politics and become uh, an MP for Oldham in England. And, and the first time he, 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 he went, this was a conservative seat. He was coming in as a conservative. He was supposed to win, but he failed. He lost out. Somebody else got in. But he came back four years later and got in. Then there was a thing, uh, before that actually, he, 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 or after that actually, he, the First World War happened. And Winston Churchill got a, done well in politics and got well up in the, in the British uh, government and became Lord of the Admiralty. So he was responsible for the Royal Navy. And the, the, the whole British, Irish, American, Australian, all the armies of, of the uh, Allied forces were bogged down in France and, and Belgium in 100 miles of trench warfare, a stalemate where nobody could get anywhere. Because Winston Churchill came up with this great idea. He says, we'll attack the German forces uh, through, we'll go through the Daldoins, the Dardanelles, which is a 38 mile straight off Turkey, where they can get a, a line through to their allies in Russia at the time we were an ally of them. However, whenever he sent the boats down the Dardanelles, three destroyers got destroyed by mines and three of them got disabled. It was a total and complete disaster. So then what he decided to do was, he decided <coughs> what we'll do is we'll attack the, the enemy on, in Gallipoli, which just before the, the Dardanelles, by a force, an army force. And it was mostly English, uh, Australian and New Zealand troops. And I mean, it was a horrible war. Lots of people lost their lives and became a complete stalemate too. Cost loads of money and loads of effort and was a complete disaster. But here's the thing. Winston Churchill was humiliated and made to look like a wee boy because of that whole situation. And he ended up, he left the government and went and fought on the front line of the, the forces in, in Belgium or France. And the say was at one stage from the front line only a hundred yards from a young man called Adolf Hitler in the First World War. Well, after the war was over, he still stayed in government and made another really big mistake in relation to gold standard. He brought the pound in too strong back into gold standard and nearly broke the whole nation. Another really bad mistake. And he was recently put into the wilderness in, in politics in the 30s. However, throughout the 30s, he noticed something that was happening. What happened after the First World War? The German people were good people, but they were given an awful burden. After the First World War, there was a treaty signed in Versailles. The German soldiers had to come up into Paris and sign a surrender in a, in a train cabin in Paris. And uh, there was a tribal treaty done, which meant the German people were going to have to pay for the war for generations to come. And it put a big dark cloud over Germany and it gave rise to a demonic force in a young man called Adolf Hitler who got the youth and created the SS over a number of years and become a massive fighting machine. Well, Winston Churchill warned the British people of this and nobody took notice of him, laughed at him, he was a complete laughing stock. However, whenever the eventually caught on that this was a real dangerous situation, Winston Churchill got into government and became the leader of the British government and essentially when everyone else was quitting and give up, he kept on going. It was necessary to keep on. It was a man God brought for the time and the season. And he kept on going until they got victory in that war. And it was a marvelous turnaround. But if he hadn't had all them defeats in the past and continued to get up, the chances are he would never get up there. Another man who I was really uh, encouraged by was a man called uh, George Foreman. In 1973, George Foreman 
uh, became the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, and he was a young man in his 20s. He had a t- tremendous physique. And uh, he knocked out a guy in the second round called a great boxer called Joe Fraser and become the heavyweight champion of the world. However, in 1974, Muhammad Ali, who was at that stage of pretty past it, an oldish man, came against the young Joe Fraser and says, Joe, I'll take you to Zaire and have the rumble in the jungle and I'm going to beat you. Well, everybody thought it was a laughing stock, including Joe Fraser. But anyway, he went to Zaire in the rumble of the jungle and in the eighth round, because of the heat, there was a corrugated iron roof and the heat of that whole thing, Muhammad Ali knocked out uh, George Foreman and became the heavyweight champion of the world. And that was a good opportunity for George Foreman to hold his hands up and quit and say, it's all over for me. In fact, he tried to carry on for another few years. In 1977, he eventually retired after Michael Moore beat him in another heavyweight fight. However, 10 years later, after George Foreman had become an ordained Christian preacher, in the streets of Houston, Texas, he decided he would make a comeback. And he made a comeback. And 10 years later, he became, at 45 years of age, the oldest heavyweight champion of the world the world had ever seen. What a comeback. What a wonderful comeback. And not only that, after that, he got into uh, the George Foreman Grill. He produced 100 million units and made 200 million pound of profit. You know what I mean? He had more opportunities to quit Cave in and give up, but kept on going. We need to have a comeback mentality. You know, I heard a, a, a message preached years ago by a wonderful man of God, and Craig Avon, Joe Corey, and one of us, the, 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 the message was called, if you don't step back in your setback, God will give you a comeback. And essentially that's similar to what I was saying, that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living if you believe. It's necessary for us to believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We must keep our faith up and our hope in and keep pressing on and knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. Whenever I was a wee boy, I used to sit on a Saturday night and my mommy used to watch television and there's a big Irishman used to come on. He was a lovely fella, a singer, and he wore an orange jumper or a puller neck jumper and you call him Val Dunigan. And Val Dunigan used to sing a wee song and it used to go something like this. Walk tall, walk straight, look the world right in the eye. That's what my mommy told me when I was about knee high. She said, son, be a good man and hold your head up high. Walk tall, walk straight, look the world right in the eye. You know, as Christians, as overcomers, as winners in life, we need to walk tall, walk straight, look the world in the eye, knowing this, that we are going to win in the affairs of life. For greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. And we are more than conquerors. So praise God. I thank you, Father God, for the ability to share this message that you give me. I thank you, Father God, that it's a blessing. And that it's a blessing to me, Father God. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to fulfill the dreams and aspirations that you've given me. And I believe, Father God, that everyone here will be encouraged, Lord, to press on. And if they're having a difficulty because of this pandemic, that they're, 
business or their, their whole situation is accelerated, Father God, because of it. I'm believing you, Lord, for the acceleration of this church. I'm calling every chair full in here, Father God, very soon, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that we are not barnyard chickens. We're eagles, Lord. We're not in the valley. We're on top of the mountain. And we're ruling and reigning because of what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.